Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. Conversion to Christ comes before the filling of the Spirit. Well, then that leaves us with this huge question, does it not? Shake your head and go, yes. Even if you don't understand even what I'm talking about, you go, yes, Pastor, it does. It, it, it begs the question, what does this mean? Now, you see, when you're doing topical preaching, by the way, you can say, well, that's really not part of what I'm trying to present today. You can just set that aside and say, we'll get to it some other time. But when you're exige- doing expositional preaching, where you're taking the text and you have to deal with what's in the text, then you can't just run away from it. Whether you like it or don't like it, whether you fully grasp it or don't grasp it, you've got to find a way to deal with it. Amen? That's why it works. And that's why we're doing what we're doing, so that we can actually grow in the Word of God and know what it says. Okay? What does this mean, then? Well, I offer this warning... All right, warning, what I'm about to say may be controversial. In fact, what I'm about to say, I'm, I'm, I'm rather uneasy about saying it. But after studying it, I'm led to no other, I can't come up with another conclusion. So here's what I'm going to tell you is what it means. I believe with John the Baptist, it means that in this one specific case, In light of what Christ would do through the cross and through the resurrection. And in light of John's ministry to prepare a pathway for the Messiah to do that ministry. It seems, circle that, I did. It seems (laughs) that God elected to impute redeeming grace upon John before he was born. Now that's not the way it works. That's not according to the doctrine of of salvation or sanctification, but it seems that even as he was growing in his mother's womb, God sovereignly elected. Not because he was good, not because he was holy, not because he was sinless, because none of those things were true, but because of the special work, it seems that he elected to impute to lay upon John this grace. Again, that's not ordinary. That's extraordinary. But John is fulfilling an extraordinary part of God's redemptive plan. Let me show you something from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, that might shed a little light on the issue. Let's take a look at this. When we come to this part of Luke chapter 1, we find Elizabeth is nearing the time of her delivery of John, but he's still uh, living inside. And Mary, her cousin, is pregnant now with the Christ child. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And I want you to notice what happens when Mary and Elizabeth come together and Mary speaks to Elizabeth and greets her. It says... And she, that is Mary, entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby inside of Elizabeth, John, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now granted, it does not say that John was filled with the Spirit. But it does say in this particular situation that when John... uh, 
encountered Mary, who is carrying the Christ child in her womb, which means he's encountering the Christ's presence in the same room that he's in. He manifests a physical reaction. I don't like the word violent, but it must have been rather aggressive because she really, he leapt, you know, he's like, whoa, 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 inside, you know. Uh, only you women would know what that's like. I don't know, but wow. It's like an alien or something in there trying to get out. And I asked this question, could it be that when John, in Elizabeth's womb, encountered Jesus in Mary's womb, that the prophecy that Gabriel had brought was being fulfilled? Could it be that he was, being, he was encountering the manifest presence for himself of the Spirit of God? And he was being filled with the Spirit. And could it be, I'm just asking, that Elizabeth's filling was a residual effect of her child's filling? Now, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just posing it for your thought. I do say this, though, that we cannot take this and build a doctrine out of it. That's not the point here. What we know is that Gabriel gave God's message that John would experience the filling of the Spirit even in his mother's womb. And we find that this most unusual occurrence takes place when the mothers of Jesus and John came together. And that brings me to this truth point. Mark it down. Both John and Jesus were chosen by the Father to kick off and complete his work of redemption. Both experienced many extraordinary things that are not the norm or common to the human experience. So how do we deal with that? How do we answer that emphatically? What does that mean? Well, I don't think we can answer it matter-of-factly. It's one of those areas, it's kind of like, how do you deal with Jesus being consumed in the womb of Mary without human seed? That goes against God's creative plan. Yet, he did it by the power of the Spirit. And if he can do that, he can do the other according to his sovereign plan. But it's certainly not the way it normally happens. So I'm just going to leave it here before we get to the last point. Gabriel prophesied that John would be empowered by the Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Do understand this, though. It had nothing to do with his being a good boy. It had nothing to do with him being a bad boy. It had nothing to do with him being indifferent. It had everything to do with the sovereign power and will of God to give him grace and endue him with spiritual power by his Spirit. And at that point, we'll leave it there. Now, there's a reason... I think, that John needed that endowment of special grace and power. And that is because John had the singular responsibility of being the fulfillment of what Malachi prophesied 400 years earlier. Malachi chapter 5, verses it's chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. As we read these words of Malachi, please appreciate this fact, that what you're about to hear from Malachi after he made this prophecy, this is at the very end of his 
prophetic writing. And, and if you're looking at a Bible, right, you're, the, the next page is going to say New Testament. <laughs> 400 years of silence. This is the last word of God to Israel through Malachi. Here's what he says. Behold, Israel, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Elijah. Elijah was a very unique man. He had a very unique ministry. God worked through him in supernatural ways, and he used Elijah's voice to rebuke sin and to call the people to repentance. This unique ministry was something that people understood would return and would precede the coming of the Messiah. So within Israel's ranks, there was a certain anticipation, a certain watchfulness for this type of ministry. Now, John the Baptist was not Elijah reincarnated, but he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And like Elijah, John, when we see his ministry here in a few months, John was tenacious. Tenacious in calling out sin. Tenacious in confronting hypocrisy. Tenacious in urging the people to turn from a dead religion to a living faith in God. And as one would expect, this caused John to to be revered by some and hated by others. One of the things that you can bank on is this, is like Jesus, there was no ambivalence about John. His ministry either resonated as the voice of God calling you to repent or it was repelling you, causing you to want to run as far as you could possibly run. But one thing you can bank on, John's ministry and message was one that people responded to. And they responded exactly as the way Malachi prophesied and exactly the way Gabriel took that same message and prophesied to Zechariah. For some, it brought a change of heart where the whole family was coming under the leadership and grace of God. For others, it brought about a change of priorities where where parents saw their role in leading their children in the ways of God and, and children began to value their parents' love and guidance in this way. For others, it opened the eyes of some to the false wisdom of man and the true wisdom of God and in effect then served as the foundation of preparation for the Messiah's redemptive work. You study the life of John and the early ministry of Jesus, there's every reason to believe that if the people would have received John, if the people would have received Jesus openly, the kingdom would have begun. But we know they didn't. Instead, John was beheaded and Jesus was crucified. And perhaps at first glance, it would seem as though this was a catastrophic failure of God's plan, but that was not the case. Instead, it delayed the implementation of the kingdom in its fullness, and it made a way for both Jew and Gentile alike to be able to find redemption from sin and reconciliation with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Which brings me to this question. What is your judgment 
of Jesus. As you sit there today and you hear his name, what comes up in your heart and mind? What, what, what picture emerges in your soul? During John's ministry, he saw Jesus coming to the River Jordan to be baptized. And he said this, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's what he came for. And my question to you today is this. Have you received Jesus in that manner? Is he God's lamb who has taken the sacrifice for your sin? Has he borne your grief? Has he carried your sorrows? Has he paid the debt of your transgression before the Father? He has for me. He makes that offer to all. He invites us to come to him in faith. He invites us to come in repentance. He asks us to trust in what he has provided. And today, I would hold up Jesus to you just as John held him up to the public. He is the Lamb of God. And he will take away your sin. And he will give you life, eternal life, if you'll trust him. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.